Kamusta Katanoomers? Welcome to Tanum Tuesdays, a podcast where we talk to folks around the Philippines about their gardens, farms, food forests, and anything and everything about Tanum, which means plants. Here are your Katanoomers in this podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Jinkian. I'm Marcel. And I'm Albert. And now, on with the show. Hello everyone, kamusta na? How are you guys? It's 2022 and we're finally releasing our first episode for the third season of Tanum Tuesdays. Uh, we actually recorded this last year but with the holidays and then Typhoon Odette and then everything else, we, well actually I, only got around to editing this episode this week. So sorry but... Uh, I know it's all worth the wait since for this episode, we have Monica Luna, a permaculture homesteader, homeschooling mom, among many other things. So she is uh, Sierra and Sage on Instagram. That's Sierra.and.sage on Instagram. And that's where I actually uh, virtually met her. Uh, actually, I think I saw her husband, Leon, in one of the permaculture groups on Facebook. And then I eventually found my way to Monica's Instagram account. And I've been following their homesteading life as a family of four. They have two beautiful girls. And it's just so inspiring and amazing. And they really do serve as a great example of uh, the beauty and just the pure satisfaction of living close to the land and living a simple life. And, and what's great is that they show us that it is possible for all of us uh, to, to live like that, to live simply and only if we choose to do so. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Monica. Enjoy! Okay, thank you so much, Monica, for agreeing to be interviewed for Tanum Tuesdays. Uh, we really appreciate uh, having you here. I mean, I've been following you on Instagram for a long time and your <laughs> your way of life is like really inspiring. And um, we would really love to know more about, you know, how it goes for you and your family. So okay, uh, maybe to start, you can just tell us a little bit uh, more about yourself, your background, and then maybe lead up to uh, your life now. Okay. Um, so background. So I grew up in Manila, uh, suburban gal. <laughs> um, not quite, you know, not 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 in the not in the provincia, not deep city. So we're like in a suburban town here in Paranaque, and. Um, yeah, so I was here all my life, and when I so I went to school and all that, but I always enjoyed, you know, I guess typical what uh, late teen to early adult. If you grow up in Manila, you always seem to want to go out of town, like you know, do trips um, to the beach or to the mountains and just always want to get away from the city. And I, I re I definitely resonated with that sort of lifestyle growing up. And I remember, uh, it was always like, you know, so you take a bus to out of town at the end of the weekend, you come back and you're driving in and you start seeing all the billboards and all that. 
and your, your heart starts sinking because you're like, oh, I'm back in the city. But um, yeah, so it was pretty much like that for me growing up. Um, so there was always this desire to be out in nature, um, even in travel, like say the times when we traveled, I never found like going to a city, I never really found it quite as interesting as if you if we traveled to like a place that was, you know, uh, less crowded, uh, more rugged, you know, off the beaten path. And yeah, so that that led me to my life now, because let's say all these. Um, so I married and I met my hus- husband through diving, uh, scuba diving, and we just shared this common enjoyment of being outdoors. He grew up on a farm. He's from Australia. Uh, He's a farm boy all his life, but he also, so, you know, he always liked, he always preferred being outside in the country. So, you know, when we were together in our early twenties, anytime, any free time we uh, had together, we always spent it uh, outside of the city. And so eventually, years after, so we got married and then we lived in the UK for, well, he was there for quite a while, but I followed him and that's, we spent our first two years of marriage there. And then, so we had to leave and we were like, okay, so if we move back to the Philippines, we already had it, like we already manifested and we already had plans to not live in the city, but to, you know, to live, to find a space outside of the city. And we always wanted to like, I guess, uh, get into farming. I mean, I mean, he already had an, he had, you know, he's had background with it, experience with it, but me, no experience, but I was just super game. Like I always thought, you know, I, I, I don't want to romanticize it because now I totally see how it can be romanticized by people who haven't really done it. And that's probably what I did too. But yeah, I was just really game and I, it just felt, it just seemed so, you know, idealistic. So we did that. So we moved back to the Philippines in 2012. And then the next year we had our first daughter and it probably took us maybe four, 12. Yeah. So maybe four years after that to finally find a place or area that we said, okay, yeah, you know, we can imagine ourselves here. And then in the, so 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, it was a six years to finally move in. So, you know, it also, it wasn't like a rushed thing as well. It did still take us a while, you know, and yep. So that's where we are now with our two kids. We are in Batangas, Lipa Batangas, and we live 40 minutes out of town. So it is still quite a drive and yeah, it's pretty good. And I, again, I think it's the thing like, because you mentioned like, you know, we met on Instagram and, and I think, uh, that's, I think that's the whole thing as well with social media. Sometimes like the stuff we post can make it look so perfect, <laughs> but, right? So, but that's why, you know, honestly, I also like, let's say stuff like, like when you post about your plants and your food forest learnings, I, 
you know, I like those, all those people and all those posts that talk about failures as well. And, you know, how hard it can be. And yeah, I had this and it died because I think you're, you know, it's just the whole transparency of it. But I mean, I'm also trying to like the whole Instagram thing, trying to also make it, yeah, like what I said, more transparent and kind of like de-romanticized it because <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like I think right. people because I know I know I did that. And then, you know, so I got into it and man, it's the hardest work I've done. <laughs> <laughs> All my life. But at the same time, it's just, you know, because it's like that, you also find like the reward, the rewards that you, you know, that you reap. And I don't know, the little successes that you feel just get amplified. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there. So that's how we ended up where we are now. <laughs> because my husband, my husband was being practical and I was being <laughs> too idealistic. But I get it all worked out. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I think it's, I totally agree with like the social media transparency and all that. And I think the failures actually really, uh, like you can't have the whole picture or the whole journey without them. Like the satisfaction yeah. of um, not even just growing the plan successfully, but also like just knowing that you, you, tried this and it failed and you learned from it you know it's so cliche but you know like I don't know it's hard to explain but it's so um you just feel closer to nature to the to the land yes because you you totally realize that you know let's say for me personally because you know I'm gonna throw it out there and I'm gonna say I I blame my Virgo side okay (laughs) because I'm a Virgo so we're kind of known to be like OCD and kind of you know perfectionist (laughs) so the thing is it's super humbling like when you when you put yourself in a situation like you know when you see yourself as you know like you're part of nature and you don't want to divide yourselves it's so humbling because oh my gosh yeah you can't control everything really <laughs> you know and the thing is by like the land the the area we bought is quite big for just my husband and I but you know we're still doing it and we've really just learned to let go and to just realize you know we only can do as much as we can because I'll be honest going into this you know you manifest like oh I want you know you see all these other homesteaders and you're all like oh you know I want to grow all my food (laughs) I mean I mean I had you know I'll be honest and getting into this I really had that whole and I don't think it's wrong because at least it puts you on that path and you know, they, they always say, you know, you, you set your intentions coming into something or you manifest something. And, you know, I, I, re, I was really thinking, I want to grow all the food. It'd be so good to live off the land. And we're still, you know, aspiring to do that two years later. But then you also do realize, oh, wow, it's not going to happen in like, you know, realistically speaking, it's not going to happen in a year. <laughs> and, you know, nature keeps changing when you're like, you know, that's the whole thing with permaculture. What I love, the first principle is observe and interact. Yeah. Especially with these changing times, you're going to realize, oh, I can't just set up a garden once. And then, you know, uh, that's like super dreamlike state, right? Set up, a, <laughs> set up a garden once and then the next year you expect it to be the same. <laughs> especially, with, you know, with climate change. And like my husband and I realized, we're in the tropics, 
So, you know, we don't have seasons and everything is just so abundant and mm. everything grows so wonderfully. So, you know, nature's really going to overtake me, overtake you. I'll, I, you know, it's overtaken mm. my husband and I so many times because we're just, <laughs> but, you know, it's not, yeah, I mean, you still, you still do it. And yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. We've totally de-romanticized <laughs> the whole experience. <laughs> yeah, but then still, right? Like even if you, if you're not, even if you're not romanticizing it anymore, it's still like a life. It's the good life, I think. Yes, right? yes, yes. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, especially like coming into it and. You know, you like for us personally, we did have to, or at least feeling namin, we sacrificed, you know, quite a bit. But then it still it still makes everything worth it. I mean, you know, but the whole thing about it is is also coming into it. And I mean, us personally, we also said, you know, because we're gonna sacrifice and we're gonna have to adapt and change. Especially for me, because I mean, you know, I was so used to Manila living. Mm-hmm. And you know how everything was so easily accessed, the convenience of everything. But then you just have to come into it with a mindset, you know, because if you want to simplify your life, if you want to, you know, go into it with intention. Yes. Everything, you you forget about the whole, ah, we don't have high-speed internet. Ah, oh, what's Netflix? <laughs> you know, what's everyone talking about Netflix? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, personally, though, we weren't really the kind of people who are super like into, you know, the fads and all that or, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I totally get what you mean with like being a perfectionist and, you know, wanting the garden or the food forest yeah. to be yeah. all good and all that. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's the same with me. Like when we started the food forest, because we don't live there yet. Uh-huh. It's uh, We were supposed yeah, to build yeah. our house there, but then the pandemic happened. Uh-huh. So we're living somewhere okay. else now. And then I just go there every other morning, basically. Yeah. So which... I mean, even uh, that... Even mm-hmm. that is already such a commitment, right? To like, I think that it's so wonderful though that you do that. I mean, you know, that's like a big commitment right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. I wake up at like five to go there and then I can only spend yeah. like an hour or two because then I have to attend to my kids. So mm-hmm. in a way, that's actually, I found it very good because my time there is mm. limited so I can't be all perfectionist and like, you know, I have to fix yeah, this yeah. and this and this, which I think yeah, has yeah, given yeah. space for, you know, the plants to be, you know, what they mm-hmm. are for nature to take her course. Ganyan. So Correct. Yeah. And, you know, I've also like, I'll have to say, like I learned from, I remember I was telling Leon about it. Leon's my husband. And I was telling him about how, you know, how I like where I remember I just learned stuff from you about, uh, you know, the whole low maintenance. So now I see why, because you have to go to your your um, food forest every other day. And, yeah. you know, just the whole, how important perennials are and, mm-hmm. you know, how you, you don't want to really focus on the annuals. I mean, us personally, we're in that point of our, like our season and our journey now where, yeah, we really also want to put in the perennials first and focus. And then, 
Yeah, I guess, but that, I guess that's really what a food forest is anyway, isn't it? It should be able yeah. to thrive without yeah. too much human, without too much human like uh, tinkering and intervention and yeah. Yeah, I mean, before the food forest and permaculture, like I wasn't into, I never gardened. My parents didn't mm-hmm. garden except for like okay. some orchids, siguro, like, you know, in our yeah. porch. Or wow. But wow. yeah, so. Wow, Joanne, you've come such a long <laughs> way. That's so awesome. And, <laughs> you know, I grew up in the same area as you. I grew up in the south in Muntinlupa and okay. I went to school in. Oh, Paranay. yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. Wow. Same, yeah, same. Yeah. So, and you know, growing up, my my mom would be like, don't touch soil. It's dirty. <laughs> mm, okay. Yeah. So, uh, uh-uh. Yeah. Everything was new. Yeah. All right. And um, how about you guys, like you and Leon? Like, how did you uh, discover permaculture? Was it just something that Leon was already familiar with since he's from Australia? Funny that you say, I think so, but no, probably not. (laughs) No, but um, um, because so when we lived in the UK, uh, we were, he, you know, there was a backyard, our flat, we were blessed to have to be able to, we were able to have a apartment, a flat with a backyard. So we garden. And that's where um, that's where I started growing food, really. So I was already, probably like you, so I was already in my 30s. Early, so yeah, I was 30 when I started growing my food in a backyard setting. So we grew tomatoes and then we had plants. But it was funny because we had lawn. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, I like the whole trying to seed it and then, ah, it's so ridiculous, you know, like... <laughs> how lawn is and you have to okay but anyway so that's where I, that's where I started growing food and then you know so like when I mentioned earlier we already had this thing that oh, okay when we move to the Philippines we want to you know do this in a I guess grow more of our food and then get into maybe like the farming thing and then I guess Leon already knew about permaculture and really to be honest he was he's really the main driver of this and like the main inspiration or the mastermind for this um for taking this sort of lifestyle or this path of life and then um so yeah I learned I heard about it because we had moved here and he was already starting to get really into like the books and the the YouTube videos and so and then he would just tell me about it. And to be honest, in the beginning, it really went over my head because it was just such, you know, I mean, if you're going to look at like, if you're going to do like the whole Bill Mollison and David Holmgren, it was very academic, right? It's like for someone who doesn't really know much about farming or who's only grown like a bit of food in their backyard, but I'm, I don't know. I just thought, whoa. And then after, so he took his PDC um, in Bali with milkwood permaculture. And, you know, I was reading about it. And uh, I kind of got some graphs. You know, I kind of understood, like, some of the things they were doing in the PDC. But it was still all a bit uh, over my head a little bit. Like, I just knew about, like, the 12 the principles of David Holmgren, right? But I was like, okay. And I always just thought, I always only associated associated permaculture with growing food, which I think is very typical. I think a lot of people just think, ah, okay, it's organic gardening, 
right? Right. And um, and then I noticed like after the pizza, he was telling me stuff, and and then I just realized, oh, okay, so you know, like the way I sort of started understanding it based on how he was designing the our area and how he wanted like stuff to go and how he wanted to manage the um the land so you know some simple stuff as before we even moved in he already he was already thinking water right mm. <laughs> and you know i guess context of australian thinking because they're always in drought that was like the first thing he wanted to do make sure we had but when we were already living as a newly married couple in um the uk we were already we already had a rainwater tank like we were already saving rainwater from our gutter and we also had a worm tower and you know and we were already uh fermenting food so it was like Mm -hmm. you know and then i didn't realize oh that's all part of it so i took the milkwood um living course they have a uh, permaculture living course and then I realized oh wow so it's so much more than just gardening mm. yeah. <laughs> right it's a, it's a total lifestyle like you know even like because he designed the house and you know we were talking about it and it was you know it's not a aesthetically pleasing looking house but we he made it because he wanted it to be energy efficient low you know we don't use as much energy and then, yeah, then I all, you know, after studying it, studying it up myself and, you know, social media as well, read, learning from all these other teachers online, you just realize, oh, wow, like gardening is just really one, maybe what, small aspect. And even if you can't grow your own food, you can do so much other, you know, quote unquote permaculture things. Yeah. So, yeah, I think... I think um, at the moment, we're, that was, that's probably our weakest point, to be honest. <laughs> um, the gardening. Because, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it's about rainy season and everything just kind of like gets out of hand. Yeah. We're in the tropics and the grass is just going nuts. And, but yeah. yeah, and then, yeah, so it's really, so that's how I we got into it. Or personally, that's how I, um, understood it more and just living mm-hmm. it and yeah yeah and and you you've always like even when you were younger you've always been comfortable in the kitchen is that how it was for you or ah, just- no no <laughs> <laughs> okay funny um I always enjoyed it as a kid but you know we grew up with a you know typical Filipino middle class with a a family cook my lola used to cook for us but you know we weren't really like you know how how i raise the kids now it's like if they want to help out yeah sure they're not kicked out of the kitchen we encourage them to make their you know if they can be a bit independent in the kitchen to prepare their own snacks when they're hungry i mean yeah we probably we did that as kids but we didn't have like like we we, we didn't really like oh do stuff from scratch because you know i grew up in the, I grew up in the what, early 80s or in the 80s. And that was like the boom of convenience, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's like, um, you know, microwave stuff you just put in the microwave or you reheat. And so, you know, we had our fill of that. But yeah, I don't really, we didn't really cook. You know, we, we weren't really like heavily in the kitchen and like how kids are raised now. Uh-huh. To be, you know, to help out in the kitchen. 
uh, sad to say, but no. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, the whole kitchen thing, though, since you brought it up, it came up because, because when I started living by myself, so I moved out and then I, I lived in Boracay for a bit because I taught there. So, yeah, just living by myself and you just and I think that's how it also works out with a lot of people who weren't raised in the kitchen Mm -hmm. that they just, you know, they just do it out of resilience because they need to. They need to eat. Yeah, I'm raising my hand. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So it is the same as for you. Yeah. Yeah. See, and then. um. Yeah, but you know, like even that, you know, baby steps, like, you know, not everything naman was from scratch. The whole, the the big game changer for the whole, my whole kitchen um, experience was uh, because my husband, si Leonis, has celiac disease. So he was diagnosed in 2004. So as a married couple, you know, living in the UK when, you know, you didn't, it wasn't so popular yet like gluten-free and all that mm-hmm. we had no choice you really had to you know that's when I really learned to look at ingredients to read ingredient lists to be more conscious of health because I was married to someone who was you know who had, who had diet dietary re- restrictions so yeah so that's where it started we you know we had to make pizza from scratch like the dough from scratch because it had to be gluten-free we had all these kitchen experiments yeah, so it was really out of yep, trying to survive and then getting married to someone who had an autoimmune disease. <laughs> yeah, so again, out of survival. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and okay. It, yeah. And then you just realize about like working in the kitchen. I mean, it is hard with kids. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy that I got to experience it as like new, like, you know, as um, solo parents or like, parents without mm-hmm. kids because at that time you get to so much me time in the kitchen it is very relaxing with kids it's major stressful I won't lie <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 I mean it's also nice that you said that because on Instagram it, it's it still seems so peaceful and so fun all the time yes. <laughs> when your yep. kids are yeah. in the kitchen Yep, yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's not always, you know, it's not always so smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. There are times that, yeah, it's good because they kind of know what to do already. But then, but then between both of them, they're like, I want to do this, I want to do this. Right? Yeah. Okay, okay. It's, all right. So um, can you describe like a typical day, if there's a typical day um, at home oh, for you the, guys? Yeah, on the home set. um yeah uh okay typical day well first of all because it's still so we've been there uh since 2019 so uh two and a half years and yeah it's still it still changes like a typical day will change depending on like the seasons and depending on what we have what we currently have let's say plants or uh, a big factor also is animals because this year for some reason it was like the influx of animals for us this year and it also depends on like a homeschooling year if the kids are on holiday or on homeschooling break or not but let's say a typical day on average would be so leon is the he's the farmer schedule guy so he's he, he's the guy who wakes up really early 
And so he wakes up, he has his uh, time in the morning where he, so he goes out and he, he does like, he feeds the dogs and he goes out and he checks the chickens and all that. And then me, so currently we have rabbits and we're taking care of chicks, uh, which we haven't brought out yet into the food forest. So I get up. I make sure they're all fed. I do them. And then the kids wake up. We have breakfast. If it's a homeschooling day, so we go out and do more chores, maybe check on the chickens. The kids go out, check, help me check on the chickens, look for eggs. If we need to move the chickens and the ducks, we do that. If not, we just hang out. They get their morning playtime. And then I call them in. So we they come in and then we do our homeschooling. And Leon just does whatever he can outside, whatever projects or tasks he has to do outside. While the kids and I are inside, we're doing our morning, our main lesson in the morning. So that lasts at about lunchtime. And then we have lunch. And then afternoons, we just have quiet time. And let's say anything we have to do, if it's like baking day or if it's crafting day, or sometimes the kids just want to do their own thing so they get to do their own thing it's pretty i mean it's still it's pretty chill and if i can if i if i need to do anything outside and if the girls look preoccupied with what they're doing and busy then i do that it's either recently it's been gathering food for the rabbits because they're we still haven't figured out how to put them out yet because it's the rainy season and all that. So they're by the house and I have to look for food and, you know, anything that needs like in the garden, if there's anything that needs like harvesting or fixing that gets done. Um, and then sometimes, sometimes we have some outside time where the kids just relax and play outside. Leon, will, Leon and I will just sit and maybe have a drink or just, maybe for an hour and then go back in for dinner. And then, yeah, that's it. Bedtime. <laughs> nice. It's still pretty dreamy <laughs> when you hear yeah. about it. <laughs> um, well, yeah, it's actually, yeah, it, it, it does sound like it's, we don't do much, but <laughs> I mean, um, cause I do, I, you know, like the whole homeschooling and then th- that's usually typically Monday to Friday weekend, you know, in between there's always like all the chores, like, house stuff and but you know those things people don't really care to hear about <laughs> like you know like chores like cleaning and uh, doing laundry those all kind of fit in as well um, usually in the homeschooling year I get to do more gardening or more outside work with the plants and all that on the weekends but then when we have a holiday yeah we just plan everything we just plan everything for outside we're just you know whatever we can if we need to plant more stuff if we need to I don't know do like some project that we need to do for the homestead yeah it gets we just try to fit it in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so so do you have a favorite and the least favorite in all of the things that you do at your homestead um favorite thing is uh, definitely the space and that we're able to, you know, be outside and work in nature and be with nature, you know, and we get to raise the girls in that environment. Um, there's always, yeah, I, I know I didn't make it sound like it, but there's always something to do. <laughs> so, you know, we don't, we don't, 
it's like we never have time to just sit and watch TV because we don't have TV. But <laughs> but um, yeah, there's always something. There's always something to do. So we can't really say that we're bored. And um, but you know, even that something to do can just be relaxing and reading a book. But you know, just have being able to do it on your own time, leisurely, if you want to. But then at the same time, you know, we're, we feel so privileged and blessed that we can, the work that we do, you know, we don't feel like we have to like meet a deadline or we're doing it for someone else. It's like if we fail, it's on us and no one else gets, <laughs> no one else gets affected. Maybe the poor plants, but <laughs> um, and uh, another favorite. I, I like the animals. I love having animals. It's just such an entertaining thing. Like just working with them. I don't like it when I get sick because I'm not so good at that because I'm not a vet. But you know, we still have to do it anyway. We still have to do the dirty work and. Um, We've like you know with butchering chickens and all that. It's it's gotten much easier. I mean, I never. It wasn't such a big problem for me, but uh, it's you know like just the whole process and the knowing what we need and knowing how to do it. It's gotten easier, and I I also like that you know the successes that we have, no matter how small, feel very rewarding. It's I I don't know I think it, it just comes with the the life of um, the trying to live a slow life and a simple life I think that comes hand in hand with that just the little successes feel uh, much bigger uh, least favorite it's very tiring. <laughs> um, it can be it, it can be very tiring. I mean, even if let's say, you know, but I guess, you know, on the flip side, at least we can actually say, oh, okay, we're gonna we're gonna stop now. We get to listen to our bodies. And well, yeah, it is tiring. It is a lot of work. I mean, I think I mentioned the whole, you know, hopefully to de-romanticize it. I mean, especially if you know, that is a thing as well. I just need to say, especially if you do all the work yourself. I mean, um, yeah, because, you know, we managed two and a half hectares and that's a bit nuts, you know. So that's also helped us really like, you know, pull on the reins and really, you know, go. it's, it's really helped ground us these past two years. Because, you know, we're still, you know, the whole permaculture thing about, I think I read before where they advise like you have to at least live, let's say, if, if you're going to set up like, something you at least have to live in that place first for at least a year have you heard about that like just observing it and yes yeah before you actually settle in and start making any changes to it right yeah that's also one thing i love about permaculture it's just so like just just the way of thinking but anyway (laughs) but you know I, I mean, I also don't want to be, you know, I also don't want to fall into the trap of calling everything. Oh, that's so permaculture. But I, I will admit, I, I, that have, you know, I do that a lot. But that just that way of thinking is so, I don't know, it's just so inspiring. 
but yeah so going back like because you know we're we're my husband and I are I guess you can call us uh suckers for punishment uh, we're doing all the work <laughs> and you know a lot of people are like oh why don't you because you know why don't you get helpers and all that and um you know and I've I've you know and we've realized that it is very typical here in the Philippines to have a farm and you get all these bunch of workers that do a lot of the work right yeah and I think I I don't know I haven't really met any farmers or anyone that tills uh, or, or at least works the land where it's literally just them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that getting help is like bad. I mean, it's, it's a great thing, but Aska said personally, we've decided like, you know, if we're going to get help, we want to be able to pay them a living a living wage, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And this is also one thing about that's really opened my eyes, thanks to permaculture, is the whole social justice, mm-hmm. really. Like, you know, if, if, if we were, if we weren't, you know, and because we're, we're cutting back on so much and like all our, you know, and the money that we spend and being intentional about the stuff we get and all that, you know, it, it, we can't really afford <laughs> We can't yeah. afford a whole, a whole, like, you know, so many manongs and to help us with the land just so that we can say, oh, okay, yeah, we're, we're able to feed ourselves or grow food for ourselves for a whole year. Because really, they should, we should also be growing food for all the people who work for us. You know what I mean? I mean... Yes. So, I mean, that's the intention we also had coming into this, that because we're going to be doing all the work ourselves, we also have to be practical about what we can actually do. So, you know, second year, yeah, it's so that's like probably one of the hard things for us as well, probably the least favorite. I mean, Mm -hmm. of course, I'm speaking with our, you know, within our context, because we're the only ones... um, managing the farm Mm -hmm. and another thing is it can be quite repetitive so i think if you don't like staying home i'm not sure homestead is for you (laughs) um you know because yeah it can be you know because it's repetitive you know it's not so hard for us to leave we can't just up and leave or go on holiday anytime we want because we have animals and we don't we don't really you know we we don't it's not so easy for us to find someone who can watch the place just for us to go up and have do a trip to the beach. And, you know, I, again, I can, I can imagine that's really not everyone's cup of tea, like being home all the time. But then again, having said that pandemic times, (laughs) apparently it's the new normal now. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, but yeah, Yeah. that's the whole thing. I mean, it it can be very repetitive. And yeah, I realized like, because when we moved in, it was funny because we moved in and it was exactly a year right before lockdown happened. So, you know, we only got to live, you know, like a like the life of, you know, every time, you know, we, 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 we used to go into town once a week only. And even just that, I mean, I know people who just find that a bit crazy, like what? You only leave your house once a week. <laughs> and that was, 
And that was before pandemic. You know what I mean? And then, you know, and then I, but, you know, I, I, we, we didn't really have a problem with it. So, but, you know, because we're quite homebodies anyway, and there's, you know, there's always something to do, but yeah, but after a while, you know, two years and then with the, oh, you know, it, it can be quite repetitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, so I get, you know, I think it's really like when you're talking about your least favorite things but i'm pretty sure that you also like those things right yeah yeah true true yeah like those are (laughs) those are the things that make it really your own experience and all that like when you're talking about working the land yourself it's Mm -hmm. it's different like when so when when you talk to someone who who who's gardening or who's building a food forest or something it's yeah. you can tell if it, if they're the ones who are actually planting the trees or the yeah. seeds or whatnot or if they're not That's the cool. ones diba uh uh correct yeah. i mean yeah you you learn more don't you i mean yes. the whole and it's all part of it the reskilling and mm-hmm. you know just yeah, get getting yourself and then you know, just the work, the workout and being out in the sun, you, you get it all, right? Yes. And yes. I think that's the only way for you to really learn. Right. And then you know, and you know, they say if you want to become a master, <laughs> you have to be able to do it like the others like the whole um you have to be able to practice it a certain number or actually do it a certain number of um, ten thousand hours or something. <laughs> yeah. By Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, that's true. That's why I said we're, we're you know, people are probably gonna say, yeah, you're suckers for we are. We were suckers <laughs> for punishment. Oh no, no. I see, Joanne. I just realized my least favorite. Yeah, I think I guess it. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. I like it too. <laughs> but yes, it's 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 a no. It's a really it's a different kind of life. Um, I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience as well. Now you know, growing up in yes, Manila, yes. and then having, being more connected to nature now, and also like mm-hmm. the permaculture lifestyle. It's so different, and I think it's so much richer and more meaningful and thoughtful. Yes, uh, correct. <clears throat> Everything has more. Yes, you become more conscious. You become more. What's the term now that they say woke? it's like yeah and you just you know yeah you're conscious i guess guess you 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 start something with intent with intention and um i don't know and it's just you know of course it's just gentler on the earth really i mean you always you just kind of do what you can but you know the thing is as well you don't really need to be perfect because I think that's so impossible, the whole, you know, if you're going to, and you can't be so stuck in labels as well, where I think, you know, they're saying, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're growing your food. How come you're not growing it all? <laughs> mm. <laughs> right? mm. Or you see, yeah, that's a, that's a thing as well. I learned like, you know, you were talking about, you can tell when people are the ones doing it from, you know, the ones actually doing the work as opposed to those that don't. Because, you know, if you get people 
who be you know who kind of expect you to be growing everything straight away or mm-hmm. it to be you know to be or like the whole thing why don't you do it for business and but we're like uh oh man it's like we don't want to have to take on I don't know, just the stress of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like turning. Because I think when we got into this, a lot of people were also expecting us to, you know, get into it for the, you know, the business side, the whole farming side of it. But you know, we also thought, oh, well, no, we'd have to see first, you know, what we can do. Like you know, like the whole, you kind of see what the land, what you can do with the land first, and. It takes a while. I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, I admire all those people who start, who start and they're able to like, you know, uh, produce so much in like a span of a, a few years and make it a business. But I guess that wasn't our intention when we came into it. We wanted to see what we could do ourselves and, you know, what the land would teach us and show us and yeah like you can you can actually tell um you know like people who just expect it to all happen it's like you haven't you don't know how plants work do you (laughs) you don't know how seasons work oh my gosh (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah okay um I have so many more questions, but every time I'm the one doing the interviews for Tanum Tuesdays, it's it always runs long. Yep. <laughs> so, oh, okay. <laughs> I have to be more mindful. Okay, I'll, yeah, me also. I'll stop. I'll stop rambling. I can oh no, 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 no! <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Um, uh, maybe we can go back to the kitchen and like running oh, your okay, actually yeah. running your homestead. Uh, yeah. how how do you feel in general about doing things, uh, new things? I guess like is it? I guess I'm asking from my own experience as well. Na I'm not so familiar yeah, yeah. with the kitchen. You know, I didn't uh-huh. I didn't grow up there. So parang there's like this parang fear or hesitation trying out new things. How how are mm-hmm. you with that? This is so. This is just in the kitchen. Um, everything, right? I guess. Every including For, the kitchen, but also all the other things you do. Yeah, like when we like excuse me, when we learn new skills and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, because I guess that's a thing, no, with the whole homesteading and like, you know, a, a big part of it is really reskilling. And that's also very permaculture. Like they buy like um instead of just let's say something breaks instead of just throwing it out or buying something new, you'd learn how to fix it. Right. That's, I find that very, um, that's very permaculture. Here we go again, yes. labeling everything. <laughs> but anyway, but it, it kind of is true. Cause you know, I also learned like when I did that living a permaculture living course, it was all under there and I'm like, Oh wow. So all these people who like, you know, who just love to tinker and the frugal people, could rather mm-hmm. fix something before they buy something new. It's all, right? It's yeah. every, so many people are doing it. But yeah, so part of this homesteading is because we try to do everything ourselves. So that means we have to learn so many new things. It's fun. I mean, it's exciting, but, you know, it's not always going to work out. So as a learner, because in me, I'm more visual. So I like to watch 
Um, so I probably check the YouTube <laughs> for, you know, I, so that's how I learned. On the other hand, see Leon, I guess, so I guess we make a good team because Leon can learn through reading lang. So he's more of a verbal learner. So, yeah, so when we do that, we, we're just gung-ho. I mean, we find it, when we start something, uh, an inspiration would be, first of all, if it's something we need, if like it's something we need to do or like um, something we like a project that really will help around the homestead. And another thing is if we already have, let's say if it's for the kitchen, if you already have the ingredients, that's an inspiration to, you know, or a good jump start. Or if, uh, yeah, if we just want to try something new and if, or if, let's say if it's something that we like to eat, but we have the ingredients or we also get to substitute with what we have. That also makes it a bit more fun. But yeah, we're, we're usually gung-ho because the thing is, I think it also helps that um, we're just doing it for ourselves first. And if it's a failure, we can always say, ah, failure, but we learned next time we're going to do this. So yeah, that's how, that's how I've always thought about it. Like, I don't want to be a no-no, but parang there's no pressure kasi that, ooh, I'm going to sell this. But it's always mm-hmm. just, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like an experiment. And it mm-hmm. makes, yeah, if you have the stuff that you need, we're just, we're gung-ho. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. Okay, so um, can you talk about your favorite plants however many they they are plants and why and why are they your favorite yeah okay um i was never okay i'll say ha kasi parang plant wise i'm not really one of your typical plantitos or plantitos are you like that ba like how you know this whole plantito boom and um, what is I, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what makes a plantita a plantita. I mean, I, I think, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I don't know because like when I think about plants, I mean, ever since, ever since before, like even when we were, when we had our, uh, we were growing food in our little backyard, I always thought about, and I think like, because I, I also asked, I think this came up uh, in a conversation with my husband also before. And yeah, we both find that, um, those plants that have a multifunctional use, and it's so bad that I say use, because obviously the word use is for human. <laughs> it's like human context, right? Because really, we know all plants have their own uses. I mean, they all have a part to play. Yeah. But yeah, for human, for our, like, uh, for the human's use, we like something that's a bit multifunctional. So like, say an example will be, I like sweet potato, isn't that weird? Like for a plant, sweet potato, because <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's a really good ground cover yes. and it's so easy to identify. Um, they're pretty. They, they have all, you know, the, 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 depending on the variety, they'll have different shaped leaves. They're so easy uh-huh. to go. There, that's one more thing. I like the easy to grow ones, like the low mm-hmm. maintenance. Mm-hmm. Same. At the same time, <laughs> I think it's the whole food forest. <laughs> Uh, like low maintenance and but then they'll you know they have a really good function like you know good ground cover good mulch 
know, you, they're edible, very healthy. They have, they're both a root crop and a leafy green. I mean, yeah. And yeah. then another thing, plants, I like beans. I mean, growing wise, I love to, I like, um, beans are probably one of my favorites to grow, even if you need a trellis. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes major hassles, like the vining ones, but mm-hmm. yeah, I like beans. Um, and then you store your beans for a long time, like the ones you harvest, or do you yeah, use them right but, No, we use them. So if they're dried, um, if it's only like the back, like sometimes, because we start off with, I guess the beans that are a bit more exotic, they're not, uh, they won't grow as well, or they won't grow as many as opposed to mm-hmm. like you know if you're gonna grow like kiba paayap uh, or you're gonna grow sitao those that are more suited to our mm-hmm. climate but if we're gonna start off with little like a few at a time yeah we just we keep it for seed saving first for replanting and then but if we get a good harvest yeah we'll save some and then I cook them you know I soak uh, and then cook for a meal yeah mm-hmm. nice. um on the what else? yeah on the on our property now like if since you're asking about favorite yeah i have a few favorites like i have a my favorite tree on the property is our antipolo tree it's the tallest one on our property it has such a beautiful trunk okay so of course, we have to put in the good-looking ones, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, it's such a good-looking tree or a good-looking plant. Um, yeah, so the antipolo, because it has such a beautiful trunk. It's, you know, it's our tallest tree in the property. And I just love, because, like, outside our bedroom window, that's what I see. And, you know, it's just so memorable, because that, um, it's where I first saw, because on our area, we still get wild monkeys. And wow. in our... Yeah, and our first year there, that's when, you know, we saw a monkey up that tree. Mm. Uh, when we were visited by a, a hornbill, that it's, you know, it also landed on wow. the, yeah, it landed on the um, antipolo tree because it's so tall and it's right by the cliff. And I'm just praying that, oh my God, like all the typhoons that come through, it's just, it just stands there. And it's such a powerhouse. I'm like, please wow. stay there forever. <laughs> so, yeah, that's one. And then another one would be, it's in our wild area. It's an alum tree that has such mm. a beautiful trunk because it probably, I, I'm not sure what happened, no, but it has a huge trunk and then the two, it splits up. So it ends up looking like a letter U. So you can literally mm. just sit there. So it looks like parang duyan. It looked, the, the trunk has <laughs> taken a shape of a duyan. And, you know, like even the alum leaves, uh, alum flowers, the bees just love it because I guess because it's a native, right? Yes. So the native bees, the native bees are really more attracted to the native flowers, and yeah, I think that's it. I mean, I mean my husband's gonna say he loves bananas, uh-huh. probably one of his favorite plant as well, or you know, yeah, because it's you know so much biomass you can do, you can use it in so many different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. I mean, I love, I don't know if you saw my post on the sweet potato, the purple sweet potato that I found. Yes, yes. <laughs> the surprise. She was yeah. like, ah. <laughs> I was so happy. Was like, <laughs> and that was a surprise, wasn't it? When you planted that, was it just from a, like a, the, from the Talbos? 
Yes. No, no, no. I got it. So I was at the market, at the farmer's market, the weekend market here. Okay. And they usually just have orange ones, the sweet, the regular yeah, sweet yeah. potato. And so yes. I was getting some. And then in that box or in that basket, there was one na broken off yung tip. And you could see it was oh, this purple. Is the recent one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is the recent one. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So I thought I was, you were talking about... Diba before you also found surprise? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, yeah. So this one, you planted it. So I'm about to palang. One, it's already oh, planted. So I was, cool. I was able to get two. Mm-hmm. Tapos, yun, one, I'm trying to root. And then one, I planted na. So. Yeah, that's see that's that's such a goal for us. Like the purple, the purple meat, huh? Mm-hmm. Purple meat tamote. I think that's the only one we haven't um grown. Mm. We're still in the lookout. And yes, yeah, see, you know, like one thing. Let's go, like going back to kamote. Our kamote only started literally from one orange slip, mm. right? So it was planted, and then the battle grew all this tall boss, blah blah blah, yes. and then. You just keep replanting it. And then, you know, we've had, we've gotten surprise. Uh, so we, our typical ones are the orange ones, which I'm, I don't, you know, I don't complain about because that's actually my favorite kamote. The, mm. This is for me, it's the sweetest. But I know purple is just the sweet, the purple meat. Mm-hmm. That's why I really want to try to, I'm, I'm just still praying that maybe one day we're going to find one. But because <laughs> we've had surprise, the purple, purple skin with white meat, and the is it a bit more like the it's a bit white the skin is a bit white is it mm-hmm. like the yellow kamote not orange but the light we've had like surprise colors and it's like a bit bizarre because it's we only literally just planted one or from an orange oh. one so, yeah so it you know but then you know you're walking around and i'm like i'm pretty sure you know they still you know, you can still tell when the leaves, right? the leaves look different, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So that's still such a mystery to me, like how we ended up with purple skinned wow. and uh, yellow skinned. Yeah, it's nature is so magical. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, so wow. that's why kamotas are so fun. Yeah, and I think also root vegetables are so fun because it's such a surprise when you harvest them. <laughs> Nice, nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, for our last question, it's tanung mm-hmm. tips. So, yeah, uh, it can be about anything. It can actually be about like your learnings, your own learnings that you can share with yep. our listeners. Um. Well, one thing, one tip I'll say. I know. Uh, I'll probably say collect rainwater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. You know, I think that's such a big deal. I mean, no, because, you know, we've had, we've met people who are like, you know, I mean, outside of the permacul. I know that's so typical for like permi thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Collecting rainwater or, or you know, uh, saving up on water, reusing water, right? Or kitchen gray water. But, you know, we, we've also met because people are like, ah, rainwater. It's like they kind of laugh at our rainwater tank because it rains so much in the Philippines. But then it does it in the summer. <laughs> So, right? I mean, yeah. I think because that's really one thing that's really um, saved us. I mean, because, you know, with the two, two and a half hectares and like say this year, because like since we've moved in, we've always dedicated the window of planting time for trees. So 
which we usually do um, in the beginning of the rainy season. We make sure to like, okay, what trees are we going to put in, right? Um, so that's a good plan. But then, you know, when summer hits, where we are, it can get like really dry. And, you know, two and a half hectares is a bit like, you know, we can't keep carting water de balde if we think a plant is suffering and all that. Well, that's also why we also do a lot of mulch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have like, we plant in windrows, but then, you know, the rainwater that was, that was collected during the rainy season has really saved our trees during the summer. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, you know, that that's one thing, super important, collect rainwater. I mean, I know it can be, you know, cause we, we have a pretty, I don't know. I mean, I won't say it's complicated, but you know, my husband did put so much thought into the design of the, just the rainwater, but mm-hmm. I know it can be, you know, for smaller properties, like simpler systems can be designed. So during the summer, you can still, that's pretty much the only time you really need to water, isn't it? But I remember you did, didn't you, didn't you, Joanne, go through this summer without watering? Yes, I only watered the ones that, you know, I planted that summer, like during yeah, the summer yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it, 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 how was it? Like, did it? Was it successful? What, yeah, I, I would mean, say so. Like, see, even the, because it also helps. I mean, all it, your ground cover and all that. Yes, yes. And yeah, I think it's and, because it's so densely planted. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, correct, correct. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. there are plants but, like um, like the pigeon pea or the kadios. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. It, it acts as like, it's a hydraulic, there's a hydraulic system in its like in, in its mm-hmm. roots or something. Now when it's yeah. dry, it it gets it water provides. from the deeper yeah. layers and provides it yeah. to the plants around it. So around I think it, yeah. having having those plants help also. Yes, yeah. That's right. And then just yeah, you know, the mulching and the layering. Yeah. Like having the little ones, you know, like the whole microclimate setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for us, yeah, I mean, the rainwater has also saved the plants when it's gotten super hot, especially the young ones that are just, you know, parang what are they? Probably less than a year palang. They kind of sort of need a boost during the really hot, um, mm-hmm. really hot summer. Yeah, so that's yes. one. And plus, kasi kami rin, we also say we, our drinking water is rainwater. So that's another, nice. that's another thing. So like during the pandemic, we were like, oh gosh, that, you know, so we don't always have to call Manong to come to deliver the drinking water. <laughs> so it's a bit, you know, it was like definitely a step towards resilience and mm-hmm. self, self-sustenance. How do you yeah. filter your rainwater for drinking? Um, so, uh, Leon, so we collect it. There's a way. So, our rainwater for the plants is totally different from our drinking rainwater. Mm. So he's it, it still comes off the gutter, but it he he located like a particular drinking water tank from the downspout that has the strongest downflow. So it flushes all because it's the strongest. It'll flush out all the stagnant, dirty stuff. 
that's sitting on the gutter, right? Mm-hmm. So it flushes it out and he doesn't do a first collection. So on our heavy rain, then so he puts a pipe in and the water doesn't get collected from the bottom, like the bottom of the tank. So the tap is a little higher, mm-hmm. right? Because all the sediment, all the mm-hmm. sediment sinks down. So we do that and then we just, we, we, car- we bring it in and then we have like our mineral water filters. The, mm. Yeah, nothing fancy. I mean, I wish it were like one of those really nice, um, those really nice stainless steel water filters. Uh, no, I mean, in the beginning we used to boil it first. So we do a boil and then cool it down and then put it through the mineral filter. And then we got a pH test, <laughs> a pH water test. And yeah, it actually made a difference. So mm. um, yeah, so through the, after the, before the mineral filter, it was uh, a bit slightly acidic. And then after the mineral filter, it did neutralize it. So mm. yeah, I mean, see, yeah, it's extra work again because we have... We have to collect water from the tank, bring it in, and then pour it into her. <laughs> but, yeah, but, you know, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, well, another tip? Do I owe you another tip? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> um, I don't know. Another tip would probably be, because, I don't know, I'll just get everyone to do it, right? Uh, no. Plant more native trees. I mean, mm. my husband and I have totally jumped onto that bandwagon and we don't care. It's a good bandwagon because um, based on what we've seen on our property as well, yeah, we really wish we had more native trees. So we've really been focusing on that. Like uh, this year, we did a whole bunch of native hardwood. I mean, every year we try to do that. And also because we really noticed the native pollinators are really more attracted to the native flowers mm. like even if it's just the you know the the wild weeds on the ground it was so funny because last year we had so many you know we planted we had so many zinnias and all that that attracted the butterflies which was great but then the native bees they really prefer just all the weedy the weedy little flowers on the ground that mm-hmm. normally get, <laughs> that normally get pulled out because they're such a weed you know it's like <laughs> They look so messy. They have no point. You know, it's like, but man, they really should be covered in like all the little stingless bees. Yeah. And then, yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's really nice to have exotic plants, but at the same time, you really see a difference with a native species. Talaga. And I remember our, that, uh, then our teacher for, our stingless bee teacher, he, we went to his farm and he did say every morning, you know, on a nice day, his native trees are going to be so loud. They're going to be a lot louder because of all the bees, right? Mm. All his stingless bees are going to be making such a big fuss where the native trees are as opposed to the non-native trees. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah, that's nice. another one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And have you found that after like a storm, the native trees are like they seem a bit sturdier than the non-native ones? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I think so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've had 
you know, we've had so many like fall over, but then they're still, they still survive and they still, they'll just and eventually grow straight anyway. We just don't move them the lang. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because we've noticed like after all our, you know, all our trees that are on the side, every time, let's say every time I, uh, my husband tries to prop them back up to try to save them, it they just die straight away. So you just we just really let nature do its thing. We just leave them and then, you know, I don't know if that's happened to you in your food forest, like all, you know, wonky trees. And mm-hmm. the next thing you see, they have like new shoots growing, but they look perfectly straight. And yes, yeah, <laughs> they're just so amazing. Mm-hmm. And the native trees we planted this year, beginning of the rainy season. Yeah. Like what you said. Yeah. They just grow so much better and they're so quick. Like, mm. like in a span of like two months, I think some of them were like already probably three, two feet, three feet. It was like amazing, especially those that were in the wild area. It just mm. blew my mind. Mm. Like, you know, you for, you put them in, you forget about them. And I was like, one day, I think I should check on the native trees that, 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 that are like, you know, easily forgotten. You don't see them every day because they're not in the food forest area. They're in the, like, uh-huh. the wild area. Uh-huh. I was just so surprised how much bigger they are and to think they were all shade you know they're in the shady area mm-hmm. but you know normally the bus normally you know a lot of it is going to be you know you're going to be told also that you know they, they benefit from sunshine and all that i don't know <laughs> yeah i think it's maybe it's also like um the proximity to other trees i think that yeah, really correct. yeah correct yeah, yeah. That's right. That's also why, um, you know, like, so funny, we just keep putting trees in. And it's, you know, a lot of people are going to say, but isn't that too close? But, but there's a lot of typical thinking that it has to be this wide, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then when you learn about, like, when you learn about, like, food forestry and all that, you realize, no way, they actually work so much better when they're in, when they're right. in tight, uh, tight proximity. Yeah, I mean, that's how I mm-hmm. thought too before. Na parang, oh, it has to be like 10 feet or however yes, many feet yep. apart. Oh, oh, oh. But yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it's just all based on, you know, our experience, all yeah. anecdotal. <laughs> <laughs> right? But I mean, that's the thing. Eh? I mean, that's, that's the only, that's really how you learn best, right? Just yeah. seeing what works in your context and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just observe, observe. Yeah, and patience. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um. You know, I love these kinds of conversations. That, like, and I wish, you know, we could. I wish there was like a group nah you you just talk about this all the time. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Because I I I'd love it. I, <laughs> you know, benefit from it. Yeah. yeah. It was so nice speaking to you, Joanne. Yes, it was, it was so nice. <laughs> Thank you so much, Monica. For... I know. It's bitten, right? Yes. I mean, yeah, I know yeah. there were so many things from what you said that I want to ask about this and that, but, you know, maybe oh. a, another conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Yep. Like what you said, yeah, a group would be good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe we yeah. can explore that. <laughs> 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, and another thing, I'll just say pala to finish off, I guess. I just it just popped in my head. Um something I also really like is I think Arthur Ashe said it. Um, but I think you know our teachers, our teachers from Milk would also like to use it a lot. But you know, the whole quote of Arthur Ashe that says, you know, start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. I think mm. that is such a good. I don't know. I always love hearing that because it's so. It just brings everything down to an individual and what an individual can do. Sometimes we feel so lost with, you know, like you know, with climate change now and you know, pandemic times, and you're like, you're kind of struggling to be the good, you know, green environmental person and try to do good, and you're trying to like, I don't know, just live a more sustainable, you know, regenerative uh, life. But, and then sometimes you just feel a bit like, but, you know, is what I do actually going to count, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the bigger picture. But yeah, I think it's really the small steps. That's also what I've learned. Um, learning about permaculture and being a mom as well. And just this home homesteading uh, journey yeah it's really the small steps and yeah just use what you have and do what you can you don't need anything fancy or high tech <laughs> mm-hmm. perfect yeah. perfect thank you for sharing that thank that's mm-hmm. so important thank you so much yeah it's always um just good to be reminded of that i think you know mm-hmm. start where you are you don't have to be all I'm going to go and, you know, I'm only going to start when I'm able to get land and all this. But, right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Perfect. Thank you, Monica. Thank you yes, so much. Yes, you're welcome. And thank you as well. I thank like you. this afternoon. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, there, that's my interview with Monica Luna. And it was really inspiring to hear her. Uh, change from being a city girl to now living in Batangas in their homestead and you know not not going out of their house uh, for most of the time like they, they only go out once a week right so how about you guys what did you find interesting or inspiring from that conversation so I I definitely took note of the celiac sprue disease in, within the family and you know you really have to adapt what you eat to support the healthy lifestyle that you want to uphold but having celiac sprue it's different because when you eat the grain the grain has gluten it gets degraded into gliadin gliadin attaches to your intestine and it burns it and it renders that part of the intestine unusable to absorb nutrients so it gives you malabsorption, malnutrition. It gives you constipation and alternating diarrhea. And you really have to watch what you eat. It's not like you're an athlete and you tell yourself, oh, I'm going to have a cheat day. You cannot have a cheat day for these events. But moving on from celiac disease, if you're also diabetic, you really have to watch the food that you eat. Maybe... Your relatives will say that, hey, you have to live a little. You have to eat something different or something delicious. Sure, you can indulge in that. But 
the way that you grow your food, the way that you can source out your food and assure yourself that you have that supply to support the diet that you really need to be able to have is something that you have control of. And that control is such a positive uh, positive uh, motivator in your household that it also allows you to control what you grow. It also allows you to affect the activities that you do. And if it complements on that, then everyone wins. Right. I think it was really apparent from the stories that Monica told that these skills or these um, behaviors or attitudes that they, they have had to learn or relearn over time, it, it came from having to respond to something like to, to a need like uh, the celiac disease of her husband and then the other needs that they would have at home. So instead of uh, resorting to fast or quick fixes, convenient fixes, they, they reskilled, they learned new things and they adapted um, their lifestyle to their needs. So um, what, what exactly is a homestead? It's basically a farm where you live, basically? Yes, yeah, so you're, you're stewarding a piece of land. Usually it's like a bigger piece of land. Uh, and then you, you produce everything you need or most of what you need. I think that's the goal, but not necessarily. It's not easy to do that. Yeah. Why are you laughing? No, it's, it's, it's probably not like a Lord Basel relationship <laughs> that, hey, you fill the lands, you know? And you give me gold in exchange. But yeah, you're you're the king of your land. You're also the servant of your land. Yes. And you 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 build it up. <laughs> it's like hilarious. I mean, we were watching the duel recently. So but but yeah. Uh, homestead would probably be a yes. place that you is yours. Yes. And take you, care of it. You take care of it. And takes care of it. And it's like a food forest. I would I would presume that in some way it can be. Yeah, Although, I think like a food forest is, can be part of it. Can be part of it because there yeah. should also be animals yeah, and mostly, other components. Yeah, yeah it's, it, I could see, I could sense some of the challenges that you, Joe, and Monica were, were sharing when it came to taking care of whether it's a food forest or her homestead. Mm-hmm. She was talking about she's doing homeschooling. And then then you're, you're taking care, you guys are taking care of the kids and you only go in the morning, I think. Um, uh, and then Chinkin brings up the whole, not only are you the king of the land, but you're also the servant. So that's hard, right? <laughs> but at the same time, it was enjoyable to hear her say, and also you, Joe, you guys were sharing um, how it's also fun and it, you, you, know, you learn how you use the term reskill. You really kind of grow into being self, um, become independent in a way, but you're dependent on the nat- in nature. It's like a, it's like a complement or a mutualistic, you know, thing going symbiotic. on. Symbiotic thing going on. And, um, and it's funny because that's what human beings were always doing, you know, before the <laughs> industrial revolution. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's nice to see her and you and, and you're spreading the awareness of, of permaculture to, to to kind of like go back to not not toiling or tilling the land but like going back to the land and like what you guys said it benefits you and it benefits um the earth then so that was that was really good to hear you guys go back and forth about that yeah just going back to having to 
shift their lifestyle just to accommodate, you know, the 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 health concerns of of Leon. Um, I I don't know if in the timeline it came before or after they already have a little bit of that, you know, um, being outdoorsy. Because in their 20s, they used to be that, right? They're always out in nature and all that. Um, and they've always kind of imagined a life um, closer to nature. And then this happened and then they kind of had to shift everything but at the same time they know in their soul i guess uh, in their you know um nah, uh it's really part of the life they want to build for themselves uh despite the disease you know it feels like all the aspects of their lifestyle are all about you know trying to be self-sufficient trying to be uh, observant of nature and how it works and kind of build the life around that. So um, I guess it works out for them eventually, despite, you know, Monica being a Virgo and trying to be, to have a plan for everything. And I totally get that. (laughs) Um, um, And that, you know, but she had to learn all these things, unlearn a lot of things for, for the family. um, And again, for the life they, they want to have for themselves. So it's really inspiring. It's a little dreamy, as you said, but at the same time, I'm, I know, you know, the day-to-day stuff is really hard also. Um, just taking care of, of the family and, and this, you know, um, uh, the, the land they, they decided to take care of. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really inspiring that, you know, they're just in Batangas, but they get to live a life that's so different from the rest of, you know, most people. So, yeah. Yeah, and Batangas of all places, Lipa. Lipa is nice, you know, and it's near yeah. it's near Mount Makiling, Mount Banahaw, you have Taal, and then you have the coastline in the south. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah it's, and they have really good soil, I'm sure, oh. because of the, they have upland and they have... Volcanic spin oh. and, oh, it's... um. And then you have the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I think it was really, I found it really nice to have that conversation with her. Because when I look at her posts on Instagram and then they're in the kitchen or she's in the kitchen with her kids making bread or doing all these arts and crafts, it's so easy to think now, oh, these things come easy to them. Like they're probably used to it or they probably grew up with it. But after talking to her and finding out that, you know, she grew up in the city and she didn't even spend time in the kitchen, you know, I could relate very hard (laughs) to that. So it's like, you know, change is possible. You know, you just have to really make that decision and commitment. Like like she said, there's a lot of sacrifice that comes with that lifestyle change but it's it's gentler on the earth and i think ultimately it's also better for us i mean definitely uh my family our family it's like it's not at that level yet you know there are so many conveniences that we still uh avail of now if we just put in more effort we know now we could probably make this ourselves right 
I think that's the goal, but it is hard to to get there. It's it you also need to take care of your body mm-hmm. when it's in that arrangement because it would be catastrophic if you improperly lifted something and you hurt mm-hmm. your back and you probably take another four to five days to heal or you're working out and you forgot to wear shoes and something hurts your foot, you get a wound. It you really have to yeah. do proper things because you know you're already living with an autoimmune disease, you're getting to do things outside the usual luxuries many families would want, such as having a helper or a driver or whatnot. But I really admire the fact that, you know, they deviate from that norm when you can have your own sustenance, when you can work things on your own and you have fulfillment when completing all those tasks. Yeah, I think one one of the things that also stuck with me is um they we know that they they have a lot of sacrifices and they're so so committed to this lifestyle, but at the same time Monica um was also reminding us that you know um and you don't have to go all in at this like agad agad you can do things gradually and I guess for me I I have personally you know I have that dream a very similar dream to be closer to nature and where we've been thinking about you know where where we could you know um uh find a place of our own etc that's um and and it's overwhelming in a way like Oh, if we uh, think about this, you know, more self-sufficient lifestyle, but we do this, we do that, and we have to uh, do everything all at once. Um, and that could be very overwhelming, um, especially if you're transitioning. Siguro, I'm coming from that perspective. And it's nice that, you know, Monica said, you know, it took six, so many years, so many years to get to this. And, they're, and yet they're still learning so much. Um, as a family, as individuals, as permaculture um, stewards or whatever. So I think that I could take comfort in that fact that it will take us maybe a few, so many years <laughs> to get there, but we will get there if we're, you know, hearts in it. And that's really the life we want. So parang at least that's kind of um, comforting. <laughs> yeah, when I was listening... <clears throat> Because, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if we've mentioned it over the episodes, but, you know, we talk about where Rosella and I would want to settle and wherever it's going to be. I feel like I want to do something like what you guys are doing in Bacolod or what Monica's doing. Maybe not to that extent, but definitely, of course, I'm going to we're going to want to have we're going to want to grow things. And so when I was listening to you guys, but I was trying to imagine um, you know, we have our place and then we have, I don't know, hopefully native trees, some plant some trees there. Hopefully there will be existing, you know, natives there. Hopefully it's a nice lot where the soil is good, all this and that. But um, yeah, I, I piggyback on what Rissell mentioned, like wherever we decide to to plant our own roots or, you know, um, in the future. Nah, um, be, I like what she, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead of myself, but Sadulo, she mentioned that quote of uh, I have it written down start where you are use what you have and do what you can that's that's really nice I mean 
that's basically what I I'm not going to feel kulang when we find a lot. Parang wherever we are, I could start there. Where where could we have? So um, and it's a good it's a good way not to stress about it. Just relax, have fun, and um and enjoy. You know, um, uh, having that little food force of whatever you can can make. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, like for example, like spending time in the kitchen. Like again, maybe I've said this so many times already in this podcast. Like I don't, like I didn't grow up in the kitchen, and you know, I it's just hard for me to to cook happily. It's like I maybe because I'm not familiar with it. But now, like I think I I had like this change in mindset. Nah, you know you. Now I actually enjoy my time in the kitchen. Like <laughs> no seriously. <laughs> Chicken just made the face. Sorry, listen, just know why I'm laughing. Um, but but yeah, it's like I think it's starting where you are, working with what you have. It's also, you know, a change in mindset and how you approach things and and yeah, like creativity, uh, your own excitement about it. I think there's much to learn and experience wherever you are. Your food's good. I mean, <laughs> when we eat it. You can tell that it's not made by someone who was forced to cook it. <laughs> so you can just assure you. On on a lighter note, on a lighter note, building up on what Albert said, if you're selling land, it would be nice to decorate your classified ad with something like thousand square meters, lots of pioneer species, <laughs> native na- trees. with lots of native trees, you know, clean title, blah blah blah. <laughs> I wonder if, you know, this kind of thinking of going back to the land is spreading, especially because now, you know, after going through this pandemic and the climate crisis, if more people are actually becoming more aware or, you know, having this yearning or this inkling that maybe, maybe we do have to go back to the land. I wonder if that's spreading. I think it is, and I think that mentality should really be propagated since, you know, in the next few decades, what the next generation will be problematic with would be access to water and energy. Mm -hmm. And if you can be self-sustainable in those aspects, you can, you know, sleep better at night knowing that you don't even have to worry if there's going to be running water, even if it's just rainwater from the town or even power when you have a backup system at home. Yeah, that's exactly kind of what the pandemic basically forced us to think about. When we were still back in Quezon City, um, we were at a place where we're so close to everything. And with if we weren't in that community and we think about all the what, what we needed, parang we're so probably we're so dependent on transportation or car or whatever, then it would be so much difficult for us to get our food, quote unquote, ba? And in an urban setting. Um, and it we that's kind of one of our lessons also. Like you want to be in a community that's so close to this and that. We want everything to be walkable. We want and then um, of course moving out of that we we kind of miss our our community garden we we miss you know having um uh access and and with with them um 
being able to kind of uh, filter rainwater um, and make it dr- their drinking water, having to go through all that, you know, um, process, um, and they have food from their 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 food forest. Parang wow, it's it doesn't really it like disasters or health emergencies or whatever they they won't phase you that much compared to when you're so dependent on um a system that's all about you know and uh, conveniences and um um being so far away from from the source of the food and your sustenance yeah yeah you know what i always think about now I know, like I wish I could do something about it, but I just don't have uh, I don't have the expertise and I don't have the energy to learn it. It's like rainwater harvesting for cities, like Manila, everywhere. I say it will divide, will help with floods. It will, it will uh, supply water, right? That has to be part of. That could be like a scalable technology that. You know, our our utility company should be already transitioning to or hindi because maybe they're you know they're earning from the existing technology now. But that has to be like on a city level, like Metro Manila. Oh my God, that has to be huge. Um, but I mean, if they can do it on their own and then the individual level, in, diba? it's yeah. really interesting how they they're able to look uh, look into that and really practice it. Yeah, that's the challenge, right? If we're going to talk about sustainable cities and all this stuff and we talk about being de- independent and having our own kind of like self-sustenance with our little community food forest or something, you know, and, and especially in an urban setting. One of the challenges is exactly that you you mentioned um, um, the utility companies. You know, if all the houses in our block here decided to go off the grid, right, and be and more and more, you know, that's less money for you know <laughs> these. You know, and I've read before. I, again, we're not experts on this, but you know, if I was making money off these water utilities and the electricity, I wouldn't want to lose my customers. You know, so that's the tough part. So when it comes to that, apat especially in the cities, the, the LGUs, you know, and we're, we're talking about policy now, land use, and really um, find maybe, especially in the, or if not all over the world, that, but there's a hybrid private yeah. public kind of like thing going on, especially now with, you know, population where we're growing and all this stuff. So, um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so another uh, aspect of my conversation with, well, we've already mentioned it, my conversation with Monica was the reskilling part. So it's like you're learning new things and in the spirit of the new year that's coming, uh, I guess you can talk about the things we want to learn, either skills or behavior we want to change um, this coming year. Parang New Year's resolution, but you know more i guess thoughtful and mindful uh, do you guys have any i think mine's gonna sound so corny but <laughs> I, I i've thought a lot this year I, I was counting the number of 
lectures I've given for academia and industry. Uh, I'll be having my 93rd hour of lectures later. And I think my New Year's resolution for reskilling would be, or upskilling, mm. I think it's upskilling up for me, would be to know or innovate further in my presentations, how to engage the audience, especially with how I present my slides through animation or whatnot. I just want to be able to educate my audience or my students in, again, in a language that they understand and in a, such a simple manner that will just make them know what the lesson is about and get to apply it in their own practice and share it with others. I think that's what I want to do. Should try Canva, Chinkin. <laughs> oh, oh, doesn't it have like animation GIFs now and everything? Yeah. And it has presentation software where you can put your face in the corner and all that. You probably you guys probably already know that. But it's yeah. similar to Loom. You are already using Loom, right? Yeah, Loom. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Using these new technologies, especially even in... Um, Oh, and spreading the word about, you know, plants and permaculture, which Joe, you're already doing too. For me, I think, hmm, I mean, other than graphic art stuff, I, I want to learn some new software too. Um, I think with, with plants, I think I'm going to say, you know, Monica mentioned something about sweet potato being one of her favorite plants. And I didn't know, she made me realize it's actually really easy to cultivate. I didn't realize that. And for me, I going into the new year, another uh, ups, uh, I guess a reskilling that I want to do is working with easy to grow food plants, I guess, because right now our really our small window garden is really just, you know, like native, like we have I have like some Pelisai seedlings, Nara, um, we have Pansit Pansitan, um, which I really love, but it takes a while for it to grow from seed. Um, but I think I might move on to sweet potato. Uh, what else did and she even mentioned banana but we don't have land for banana trees <laughs> but that's definitely Joe, Joe you mentioned that in a few episodes before that you can do a lot of stuff with banana trees you put them in a circle and all this stuff so I think that's in the future in the land <laughs> I'll reskill that when we have our our, our own place hopefully um, so yeah maybe that's I'm going to look into food plants like that that are easy to cultivate and I can grow here on our windowsill so baka I might ask you guys for some advice in future episodes for these kinds of plants. Um, for me, oh gosh, I guess um, reskilling. Is it reskilling? Um, so I've I've moved to a new job that's quite demanding, and um, it's it's been pretty much kind of like. Um, all my waking hours is all about work <laughs> um, and it's quite intense we're still in the pandemic and we're, we're one of the, the main actors so um, I guess and I've been spending my weekends also working um, so I guess my reskilling is uh, about you know trying to um, set those boundaries again with you know work and uh, life outside work because my life outside work was of course you know all the gardening we used to i really miss our community garden uh since we moved out of uh, that area um maybe we'll try to walk around find another spot that we can cultivate 
um, very similar to what we did, get to know the community um, again. So I guess that's that could be our New Year's I know, resolution then, in a way. Um, but yeah, overall, it's really, you know, um, sometimes you'd get out of a rhythm that you've always kind of worked hard to to get to. And then, of course, there are big life changes happening and then you just try to go back to that rhythm again. I guess that's where I'm I'm gonna go, hopefully. <laughs> um, despite whatever life's gonna throw us again in 2022. Hopefully it should be better. It should be better, right, Jinkin? <laughs> yes, it should be better. Uh, if you know, if you go to the mall, it's full. And that's really the sign that even the folks are already mitigating risk and the uh, foresight that they've already been vaccinated and we're reaching that number that we want to yeah. attain for herd immunity. So I think everyone will just keep moving forward. But I hope we don't move forward to a point that we go back pre-pandemic days that you know we never did this, that we never got to talk about these things and we never got to prioritize the things that we usually ignored. That the pandemic made us realize, Mm -hmm. made us pay attention to. The pandemic is a terrible thing, but despite those terrible few months or years, there have been great things that have also happened between us and between, I mean, amongst the community. That's true. How about you, Joe? Uh, For me, I think the most concrete thing that I really want to learn, like I've thought about it for so for such a long time is working with wood like building things with wood uh woodworking uh i it's i don't know it's just i i i feel like it would be so cool to know how to make things with wood but then i don't know why i never got around to even trying it out but yeah, so that's something. And then I also want to be more mindful uh, in terms of what I order online, like buying things, you know, like I want to. Actually, there's like this, uh, I guess you call it a challenge or something like for a, a whole year, you don't buy anything. Nah, you know, aside from food or whatnot. Like you want to cut down on expenses. Yeah, or just like not buy anything because, you know, I'm hearing this for anything. the first time, so that's a really yeah. good thing. <laughs> Excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> I don't buy a lot, but, you know, you I actually don't. I don't buy clothes. I just buy books, really, <laughs> and, you know, stuff for the garden. But I feel like, I don't know, like if you need something or if I would need something in the coming year, I'd try to source it from somewhere else or make it myself or something like that. That sounds good. Yeah. There. I so there. Oh, I'm excited yes. for the, the, the woodworking, if you can get into that. I, I, my cousin, then he does that. He's, he posts videos and pictures of what he makes, cabinets, drawers, it's, and stuff for the kids. Then he made a table for his kid for the Legos. <laughs> it's, oh, it's really cool. cool. Uh, it's, you can do so much. So hopefully you guys can get into that um, in the new year. Then. We'll have a little shop dance <laughs> adjacent to the lot or something. Yeah. I mean, there's so much we can learn, Deva, but there's so little time. <laughs> 
So there, I think that's good. I hope you enjoyed that, everyone. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. We're at Tanum Tuesdays, and we're also on Facebook. I, we have a we have a group on Facebook that you can join, and we're also thinking of having short segments so we can have more regular episodes for you. So every Tuesday, we're hoping to put out something, and um, we still haven't finalized the the topics for the segments, but for mine I think um, it's probably going to be about permaculture so if you have any questions about permaculture or plants and um, anything else that's that's uh, that's relevant to Tenum Tuesdays and the things we've been talking about please do send them in uh, our email is tanumtuesdays at gmail.com but you can also also leave us a message on Instagram or Facebook and We'll, we'll be happy to uh, address those, answer your questions in, in the coming segments. Uh, and I hope uh, everyone's well and you'll hear from us soon again. Take care. Halong. Ingat. Bye. From Manila, this is Albert. This is Rosal. Keep growing. And from Bacolod, it's Joanne. And Chinkin. Keep planting. <laughs>